Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. Today's podcast, I'm sitting down with Joe Fight Shung. And, and Joe is the owner of Fight Fitness, which is a group fitness studio utilizing kickboxing, boxing, and fight-inspired interval training to help people get healthy. Uh, welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, it's so unique to have someone of your skill set and your background in the industry, especially where we are today. And you're using such things as martial arts within fitness. Now, where I come from, we have fitness classes and you always kind of peek in and, and you look and you see people are punching air and they're kicking air. And if you're an average gym goer, that, that's all we're going to see when it comes to martial arts and fitness. But your story, you started with martial arts, I believe. Correct. So my background, a little bit about me is um, Muay Thai kickboxing was my background. That was the sport I loved. Mm -hmm. And um, I always was into fitness, but it was more for performance sake, like sports and whatnot. But mm -hmm. the one sport that I gravitated towards was Muay Thai kickboxing. I had it in my mind. I wanted to be a pro fighter at one point. Mm. Um, I want to go quickly into my story because it, it actually kind of led me to where I am now, where it's just helping people get into shape and get healthy. Um, as you're a fighter, when you're fighting the amateur level, you have to get your te blood tested um, just to make sure you don't have anything. So you mean like a drug test or just blood test, but for drugs, like for, no, no, just for to check you for, if you're healthy or make sure you don't have any diseases that you could spread to other fighters. Cause I mean, you're in a combat sport where you're, I you never, may bleed on someone. Uh, I never, I never heard of that. I've heard of drug testing, but I, I did not know that was a thing. Very cool. No, they don't. It's funny. They don't drug test you, but they do test you for other <laughs> stuff. Cause you could bleed on a, they're worried more about that than the drug testing. Okay. Um, but that's a different story. So typical normal blood test I had to go through and um, it came back with hep C positive, mm -hmm. which I, if you know anything about uh, any viral, I mean, virus, virus issues, hep C is kind of like an HIV where you can't really fight it. Your body has to, you got to go through like serious treatment that basically destroys your body. Like, like almost like chemotherapy mm -hmm. where it has to destroy it's, the liver to, to get rid of the virus. Um, so right then and there, I couldn't fight, man. Like my gym, I didn't even tell people. I just kind of left, you know, and I was just, and they would call me and, Hey, where'd you go? Cause I was the first one in the gym, last one out all the time. Cause I was, I was, I was in love with the sport. And how, how old were you at this, uh, at this point? This was probably early twenties, like right mm -hmm. at my peak. So at this point, you know, you know, in the initial stages, it was tough to deal with. Like my girlfriend, who's my wife at the time, you know, there's things you got to be careful with because to prevent spreading it and whatnot. And, you know, my doctor told me, Joe, if you live, if you eat healthy and you work out regularly, you could live a long life after this. And so, you know, you kind of just deal, dealt with it. I ended up trying to, you know, search for resources and knowledge, finding forums and people who have gone through this. And I found a lot of soul, like comfort in the knowledge and I kind of started accepting it. Fast forward about six months later, um, I had to go to a specialist 
for a liver specialist for to deal with this. And he wanted to retest my blood work. So he did. Took a couple months later, comes back. It was a false positive. No. They made a mistake on my blood work. That's quite the mistake. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My American friends joke, that's Canadian healthcare for you. But (laughs) hey, listen, I think it was a blessing because what I ended up doing during that time frame that I kind of accepted this was I focused more on nutrition. I sought out naturopathic. I sought out more holistic nutritionists. And if you're, if you're into sport, sport isn't health. I think that's the, like, there's a big differentiator between people that compete versus people that are just trying to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And instead of going to the sport route, I went into the health, the fitness, the longevity route. And, you know, I got back into the sport. I, I did a couple more fights, but it just wasn't in me because it was just like, you know, this isn't health. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started working with clients and started building up my program from there. Wow. So you, you saw the light of health and that became your new, your new number one thing. Cause you were saying you wanted to be a professional fighter and do that for a living, right? Yeah. I, I was like my, my dream as a kid, maybe because I got into a lot of fights as a kid was um, to, to, to <laughs> get, fight get for, paid a for it. I was like, getting into, I was getting into street fights anyways. <laughs> yeah. You might as well make a dollar or two. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, and it just, it just took me the other direction. Mm-hmm. So when you flip that direction and you focused on, on health and you focused on your body, what kind of changes started happening? You, you know, you, you, you realize like, yeah, I don't know if you, in weightlifting, you have to be in certain weight classes Yeah, and, and you I, do weird stuff to, I'm sure you do weird stuff to cut down to fight. And I've been, I've, I've competed in six weight classes, six. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been really tiny, Chris. I've been get the stretchy pants quick, Chris. And, and then I walk around at medium size, Chris, I like to call it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because like you do weird stuff and I think back and like, sometimes my clients like, how can I lose weight in one week? I was like, well, I can tell you how to lose 20 pounds in a week. Like, <laughs> sit in a, sit in a sauna and spit for a good hour. <laughs> you, should yeah. be able to, you should be able to lose weight. And then, you know, looking at that, I think being in that spectrum and then moving to this one, it's just, you feel there, there's, there's a, there's a, I think there's a new level of confidence and to tie this back to martial arts, like, you know, I went through the whole system of like martial arts, they give you belts and they move up levels, but there's only three real levels in martial arts. I feel first level of martial arts is being able to defeat your opponent physically. Mm-hmm. This means competing, getting into a fight and beating, actually beating somebody and winning a fight, or let's relate this to fitness. It's like actually like helping working out to lose weight, exerting effort to burn calories to get your goal mm-hmm. which many people get very good success with but that second level is actually to use your thoughts your actions your beliefs to defeat your opponent how this relates to fitness i feel is like people get so into the calorie burn they get so into like lifting heavy weights all the time they don't think about what the what the what the thought patterns are and the uh, the the, uh, the mental um side of things to get them healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the next level. Um, the third level is like, you know, using your the same actions, thoughts, and beliefs and bringing other people onto your side, encouraging others, inspiring where it looks like you and me are kind of like at that level where we're helping others um, do the exact same thing that we did. So I always thought of fitness as uh, you know, when we work in it, it's the closest thing we have to being a superhero, right? What, what do superheroes do? They save lives. If you and I can have a conversation with a client and convince them to change the way they eat and they, they grasp it and they do it at age 40 and then they do it for the next 40 years 
We don't know the exact numbers, but I would be confident to say maybe they lived an extra five or 10 years because they changed the way they ate. And I may have been a part of that. So it's the closest thing to being a superhero without actually having superhero powers when it comes to saving lives. It's like entering the matrix, downloading your thought patterns into them so that they know how to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That too. I, I, I wish I could literally do that. That would be make my business a little bit more successful. So <laughs> you, you got into, you, you took your life and you said, I'm going to make myself healthier. I see the benefits here. Instead of getting paid to get punched in the face and punch other people in the face, I'm going to get paid to help people get healthy. So walk me through how you went into now I'm a trainer, how you're making money, and then eventually how your gym came to be. Oh, listen. Okay. So get this. I didn't originally think I was going to get people healthy. I actually thought I was going to teach other people how to, to kick people and punch people in the face and mm-hmm. get paid for it. <laughs> but, but you know what, Chris? Pe- people with money don't want that. Oh. <laughs> you, you don't want to get punched in the face? Like <laughs> <laughs> It kind of led me to the route where like, a bunch of people were like, Joe, you know what? I don't want to know all the fighting stuff. I just like, I like the skill. I like to learn a skill that at the same time helps me lose weight. And mm-hmm. so instead of just teaching the technique, technical side of things, you got to teach them, they, which that's what you want to give them, give them what they want, but then you give them what they need as they become a member you teach them mindset, you teach them eating habits, you teach them mm-hmm. all those things that they need to know in order to have long-term success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So I understand that part. Um, but did you just say, did you go right in with, Hey, I'm going to teach you exercise, but we're not going to do your standard barbell curl. We're not going to do a back squat. We're just going to hit these bags, hit these pads. How did that transition happen? Yeah. So, so it's funny because we, we were in more like pad work, holding, learning the martial arts side of things, Mm. but then you start to develop a ton of imbalances. And I think that's where, that's where I saw where the gap is with a lot of martial arts facilities is like, yes, I mean, these guys are great martial artists, but if you know, martial artists, like, and guys who come, I mean, any comp, any sport, they're going to have serious imbalances. Mm -hmm. And so we had to tie that into a fitness program that, you know, all these pushing, pushing movements, we want to, complement them with pulling movements mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how the program built up it was you know we would do some combo based technical teaching and then combine it with some strength and strength training exercises mm-hmm. and so that they won't do get the injuries that you'll get when you know you're constantly punching and kicking all the time yeah i, I think that's really important uh, i'm a fan of martial arts my kids are in karate i see all the aspects that karate offers the discipline the accountability four and six year old, their sensei will call them out in class. If they're not behaving properly, ask them to leave. I love that. I love that aspect. My wife just got into jujitsu. Oh, good. Right. And, and I used to be a strength coach for wrestlers. I, I coach wrestlers all the time for strength conditioning, not for the actual wrestling aspect, but I was always kind of like around the environment and hundred percent these asymmetries that they develop when you do the sport long-term and anytime you watch a UFC event, if you see someone in the ring and they don't have shoulders yeah. up in their ears, and if they don't have this posture, that's not, you know, the, the, the you know, uh, aesthetically pleasing posture. If they don't have, if they don't have that, sorry, if they do have aesthetically pleasing posture, they're going to get punched in the face, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if they have bad posture, they're going to be a better fighter. That's true. Like yeah. this, the, the rounded shoulders protect your chin. It's just, it's, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just your body adapting to danger. <laughs> so you would take people in, you'd you put them through these routines and you'd give them offset exercise and offset routines to balance it out. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. And then what did you find? Um, you know, I see when people do pad work in a gym, I see them go all out. I, I, for some reason, if I ask someone to give me a push up, and I say, let's go to fatigue on these pushups here. They get seven, eight, nine, they go down. But really in my head, I think you probably could have done 15 more, but they won't go to that level. But when I see people hitting bags and punch and they got the gloves on and stuff, I see people leaving sweat buckets on the floor. I see them going harder than they probably thought they could. Why do people do that? Why do people go so hard with pads and, and kicking and punching compared to like general fitness? Yeah, I, I here's what I, my thought process. Uh, I think I think violence is innate in humans. I think I think we're built for combat, and I think over time, because there's no need to do it, we, a lot of people have lost it. Mm-hmm. But when you do something at max effort, it just brings out a different kind of like spirit that you would you wouldn't necessarily have. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 there's this Instagram page I think I see called Nature is Metal. Love it. And like if you if you think about it, it, I follow it. I follow it all the time. Yeah. It's like you know if you look at Mother Nature, like things are like violent, and mm-hmm. and and you know the whole idea. I, I years ago I had mentors saying, Hey Joe, you know maybe you should tone down the fight side of things in the name, and I was like, I, I just can't. I just think it's part of life, mm-hmm. and I think things are hard. They should be a fight. We shouldn't just go. We shouldn't run away from a fight. Um, avoid them if possible, but it's in us. And that's why I think like people will go all out on bags. People will go all out on pads because we don't get to exert that, that kind of aggression at anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. We, we are nature. We are a species in nature. We, we don't run nature. We don't decide cool. what well, we kind of do, but we shouldn't. I mean, yeah. on the planet trees were here before us, right? Bugs were here before us. Other things were here before us. We're part of nature. So we have nature instincts. I see it with my kids. I know you got kids too. They will act in a certain way that until it is socially drilled into them, that they cannot act like that. They are just following their energy. They are following their, their naturistic, you know, my kids, one kid bites because he's weaker. He's smaller in size. My four-year-old is smaller in size. So what weapon does he have? He can use his teeth. My, my older son, who's bigger, doesn't have to bite because he's stronger. He can just push down. I didn't teach them that. I don't think mom taught them that. I hope not. Uh, Maybe the biting, uh, just kidding. Um, But there is a naturistic effect. So when you say that about hitting bags, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, like my kids first instinct is to hit and yes we have to teach them like use your words you know i guess we're more of an evolved species to communicate it out as much as possible but i think because over time we've you know don't hit don't punch no violence i think it's in us Mm -hmm. and the moment you can you can you know that it's in us but the moment you know how to control it through practice and through martial arts through even through fitness i mean lifting something at a max effort is very similar to throwing a punch Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's just something that like just brings out a, a, a different side of you. Yeah. I, I've met at least two dozen people in my life who said, you know, why they lift weights, why they lift heavy, why they power lift is so they stay out of prison. They're like, it's either this or jail. So they let out what's been built up in them on barbells and, um, and they get really violent when they go to lift. You can just see it in their eyes. Myself, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little different. I'm a little bit more calm. I might tell a joke or two and then go lift something heavy. But um, I, I do understand where they're coming from. And it's like, you know what? You're a nice guy. You'd be successful in jail or on the platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So now you have a, a gym itself. You have a, a gym snare. How many trainers you got over there? 
Yeah, so I'll tell you the story about FightFit. So we started close to 10 years ago. Actually, it's mm-hmm. going to be 10 years in about uh, a month or so. Uh, we're doing a whole revamp for it. But um, I started out with one location, uh, went to two locations pretty quickly, went to five locations at one point and had the dream of licensing, franchising, world domination, you know, all the mm-hmm. thoughts yeah, that yeah. Uh, of course. you get you, you get when you're uh, early on in your entrepreneurial career. Then mm-hmm. the marriage happened and kids happened. And just Ruined priorities it. change pandemic mm-hmm. we had to shut down one location so now we're back down to one location and i think i'm more focused than ever it like this last year has brought out a different side of me like you know we've had to pivot and change just like everybody else in, around the world right now and it's been super it's, it's been stressful but super fun at the same time because we've released new things we train clients remotely now mm-hmm. we run all online classes we have a whole customized training app that we get to work with clients remotely um that we call coach in your corner because you know every fighter that goes out on the fight always comes back to their coach ah, their very corner mm-hmm. that's always gonna see things that they wouldn't see so we still still on the whole fight theme um so we we're there right now and we've decided to double down on our studio a little bit we're doing some renovations so uh, you know i I'm, I'm excited for the future because with the time that we were open i i we we had we were flooded mm-hmm like people can't wait to get back and do stuff. I feel. Mm. Well, I think, I think with the, <laughs> the last 13, 14 months, if people had violence built up in them prior, oh. they probably got a lot now. Oh, I'm telling you like the, this, just people just come in. I want to do something. I need to, and you should like, as I'm watching the classes, the aggression on these bags, it's, <laughs> it's at a different level. Yeah. So. Is there, is there a strong or a high learning curve? You know, when someone comes in and, and they're going to do some of your classes or some of your training, um, or is it usually people can pick it up pretty quick? Yeah. yeah you know, I, I, so my philosophy, our, our coaching philosophy around this um, is, well, actually, I'd answer your question about the coaches. We probably have about eight coaches, but our coaching philosophy is around, let's get people moving first. Because once mm-hmm. they get moving, they're going to start feeling good and then slowly modify and move their technique. Because the, the, the risk for injury is fairly low when it mm-hmm. comes, because they're only going to punch as hard as their strength levels. Mm. Right? they're not going to go yeah. even if they went full force on a bag if you've never thrown a punch before you're not going to blow out your shoulder because mm-hmm. they're only going to punch as strong as they are yeah so we can get them moving pretty quickly and then hey let's change the mechanics a little bit tuck your shoulders in rotate and pivot use your feet a little bit more mm-hmm. so my our philosophy is get them moving get them sweating they're going to feel good after the workout and then over time adjust that technique as we go mm-hmm. awesome um who's your clientele who's the average person that comes to your facility Funny thing is we have pretty much 30 to, I would say 30 to 50 year old women is, is, uh, oh, yeah? is our clientele. Women. So, yeah. Women with all that built up violence. Oh man. The, the, issue, the women that come in, how hard they hit the bags. <laughs> the are guys still- are the ones, yeah. The guys are the ones that burn out too quickly. Yes. The women, they can p- consistently hit a bag for a good amount of time. Funny story for you. In my younger days, I was, um, I worked at the university and I, I did a handful of things. One thing was I used to, I used to train all the referees to be referees in intramural basketball, men's league, women's league, co-ed league. So then I would have to ref some games as well all the time. And, uh, I hated refing the women's league. I despised it. And, you know, as an outsider, if you're not into basketball, I might be like, well, why, why women? The women's league was the most aggressive league of all of co-ed of, of men's league they were they were violent towards each other 
they were aggressive towards me. One, one time someone said, um, you must be throwing the game. And I'm like, I get paid $7 a game. Like I'm not throwing anything here. <laughs> like it's intramural sport, but um, the, the, the aggressiveness in uh, the women's league. And then I was also a strength coach for a women's basketball team. I saw a very similar thing. I was seeing a little bit more. I don't know if it's just because it's the East coast of Canada, but uh, there was some, uh, there's a lot more fouls called in the women's division than there was in the men's. So I'm not surprised when you say that you more of your clientele might be female. Yeah. I think, I think there's the, the emotional aspect is important in the physical output, right? Because mm-hmm. if you could drive your emotional emotions to push your body into ways that you probably uh, wouldn't think possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So besides exercise that happens in the sport too. I, you know, in the, in the combat side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what, I, I think women's martial arts is really on the up. I don't, I don't know if you've watched the last UFC. It's, it was something that a lot of people didn't, we didn't want to like touch for a while, but it's blown up. Mm. And these women are phenomenal, very technical fighters, a lot more technical than the guys I sometimes see. So, so it's, it's, I, I think there's a huge growth in that. And I think the whole industry itself is gravitating, like getting away from like women don't fight and everything to more like they can and they should because it's yeah, it's in us. We're yeah. we're, we're nature. Yeah, with with it being twenty twenty one, you know, there's a there there is a lot more acceptance of different things happening. And I think what's happening now is you are seeing you're seeing the stars come. They've always been there, but now they're just getting the platform to ex, to express themselves. Yeah. I can attest that in the um, strength conditioning world. You're seeing this uh, in weightlifting. You're seeing this in powerlifting. Uh, when I started in powerlifting, the first meet I went to, there was three females. That's it, three females, right? And now you're seeing about 50-50%. Some meets are women only. So you're going to a two-day event, 200 females, just women only competing. And at the world championship level, I mean, it's 50-50 across the board. Each team's, Each country sends so many males, so many females. It's an equally dominating sport. So uh, I can see it from the strength sport and now we're starting to see it in mixed martial arts as well. Yeah. Be interesting to see eventually they go co-ed with the fights. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I wouldn't mind seeing Amanda Nunes fight Jake Paul. I would just love it. If, if, if someone were to take that kid out and it was going to be a female, I would love to see her just drop him. I would pay that pay-per-view price. hundred um, percent. COVID affects everyone differently. Very few people it affected them in, in the positive you said one of your locations got shut down. You you modified your current model. And a lot of people I talk to in, um, for this podcast are also gym owners as well. And I've had off-camera conversations with people about how they've pivoted. Some people did not pivot at all. And unfortunately, they're no longer in the industry just in the last year. And I've had conversations with a handful of people that did pivot. Can you tell me, okay, it's month one, right? Month one, COVID hits. You're probably like, We've got to do something. What was the first thing you did? And then how did that evolve into the other things you did, including the app? Yeah. So first thing we did was we, we got to go online. We set up all our infrastructure to push out workouts. We made it as good as quality as possible. We had two people there, um, one coach watching them. And, and, and it was just like, we got to keep people moving and got to keep people getting because moving because the habit goes away so quickly. Mm-hmm. You and me know this. If they stop working out, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a lot of people haven't had this in them for a long time. So we try to get them moving as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, and then you realize that, you know, our production quality, you know, is 
you're doing everything you can and you're really hanging on to the rapport side of things and the relationship side of things. So that's why people watch your workouts and follow you. But then what ends up happening is the, the production quality and the commoditization of your workouts, just you got Peloton multi-billion dollar company putting out beautiful workouts. And I've seen their stuff. It's amazing. Beachbody who's been doing it for years. You can't really compete with that. Mm. And to the consumer's eyes, it's like, yeah, you know, I could pay you guys X amount, which is, you know, we try to cover whatever our studio fees were at the time, or I could pay Peloton or Beachbody this, which is mm. a smaller, much smaller, much more affordable for people, which is great because I think it's makes fitness more accessible to people. So <laughs> we started doing it and you realize quickly within month one, people were falling off. Like we had tons of people coming on with us online, 20, 30, even 40 people classes. And then, and, and it just, it's, it, it's just a steep decline because mm-hmm. nothing's keeping them accountable. Yep. And we, we, you start to realize like, you know, what's the thing that they need? It's, it's accountability. They pay coaches, they pay personal trainers for that. Hey, where were you at nine o'clock? You didn't show up. You know, I have an appointment nine o'clock every Monday, Wednesday, Friday to mm-hmm. show up. And that's what they, they need. And so that's how we started moving towards, you know, let's get them an app. Let's start tracking stats a little bit. Let's try start doing those coaching calls and, and all, all those things involved. And you know, I want to go into so much detail about coaching because I'm sure a lot of guys have different strategies around it, but you know, you realize the accountability is the big thing that they're paying for. And that's yeah. what they'll pay the money for that. We can, we as trainers can that Peloton and Beachbody can't compete with us individual trainers because they can't pay guys to manage clients like that. Yeah, that, I mean, 100%, that, that's the number one reason why people hire, um, you know, health coaches, personal trainers, strength coaches, is the accountability, 100% reason, right? We, you said it, when there's an appointment made, people are more likely to show up. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, how we, we move towards, I mean, we still do online classes, because I think it's, I feel like the online classes is more for just keep staying in their face, staying top of mind, keeping the relationship going, but mm-hmm. then really the magic happens on the back end or we're watching their food, watching their nutrition, making sure their sleep as well, making sure they're getting their activity levels yep. up, managing their stress, all those things that are outside of the workouts. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that, that person to person component that you get, and then you're managing more than just the workouts, right? Yeah, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going into like, you know, when, when we first month one, you talk about like, I, I think back, yeah, it's, it just feels like so long ago, but think back when it happened, I was like, you know, the studio's got to close down. And we realized, you know, we had two locations at this point with hundreds of members. And we realized as the membership starts to decline, you know, one of them, we can't hold on to both of them. So Mm -hmm. made the decision, shut one down. Fortunately, we got to keep at least a good 30% of our client base in location too. kept them online and kept them engaged, which was Mm -hmm. great. And we use that to get really, and those clients I'm forever grateful for, because they got us through this whole thing. Like if the combination of clients sticking through us. And I think there's that aspect of that people side of things where it's like, Hey, I want to support this business because they've been for me. They've been there for me for so long. So that, that was huge too. Yeah. It's a good relationship between the client and the, and the coach or the business is everybody wins when they're getting health and fitness, right? Yeah. So if you're providing health and fitness and then people are taking in health and like, you don't want to give that up. And I understand for some people, it was challenging specifically with technology. Yeah. Right? So I, you know, my, my business flipped to being virtual where I would virtually train some of my clients instead of one-on-one in person. 
And, you know, I can honestly say the ones who were able to stay on are at a different age category. And it was the small things like, uh, I know how to use a, a, an iPhone. I know how to use a laptop. I know how to use Wi-Fi. And then some that might be a little bit older, it was a bit of a challenge. And in the beginning, they were like, no. Then I'd have to have conversations with them. And some just said they just didn't want to be, be stressed with that. There's not yeah. enough other stresses going on. How did you guys modify and utilize you know, technology? Oh, my, my, I got to give big shout outs to uh, my admin, uh, Gina. She was actually um, help desk for uh, in her previous job at, uh, with Weight Watchers. Mm. So she's used to walking people through technology. So she actually walked people through, here's how you sign up for a Zoom class. Here's mm. where you input your information. So tons of kudos to them and my team for being able to help them work them through that. Because yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of clients that had challenges, but I mean, you know, the world's changed in the last year. Everybody's online now. They know how to do it. They know how to access Zoom. It's just like, it's just how we talk nowadays. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably had social events on Zoom. Yeah, right. Yeah. Family, we, we, friends. Our, our, we had our Fight Fit Gala. We have usually have a holiday party every year. We, we mm-hmm. have like hundreds of our members. We rented out of banquet halls, and we have a dinner and everything. The last Christmas we had it was all virtual. It was a virtual event, and we oh, had everybody right. watch it, just like a show, like like the Academy Awards kind of thing. And <laughs> it, it was, it was. A, my team went a little overboard because it was like a roast Joe event, <laughs> but it was all in good fun though. So well, when you're I, when your name's on the business, <laughs> you got to expect that happening, right? Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. So oh, you guys also did you make the app after COVID or was the app made prior to COVID? It was after. It was after it was one of those things where we scrambled and just been like, Hey, listen, you know, um, we got to get something going. We partnered with, uh, I don't know if you know, Trainerize. So they, they, they actually helped us build out the app for us. So they have all the infrastructure and everything there for you. And I mean, for, here's the thing. I think, I think as a starting off trainer, as a starting off online coach, it's, it's a little robust. You could do a lot with just, you know, track them doing reporting just on WhatsApp or messenger. Um, mm-hmm. This platform is a lot more robust where it syncs with my fitness pal. So we can track all their macros and all nice. those things and we could track their compliance. And it gives us, cause we have hundreds of clients that on it, it gives us an overall compliance view of how everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if people are just starting off, like it's, it's a lot. So, but we had to manage like 150 to 200 clients right off the bat with it. So we needed something, a bigger system, a more robust system to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And for the clients who, who would utilize it and stuff, did you see any difference in their results, their adherence? Once they saw data, were they like, hey, I want to make adjustments here? Or did it push, push a lot of people kind of, they didn't really get much out of it? Yeah, it was, it, you know, I got to say, um, for clients that's not used to tracking that much data, it was a bit tough. Like mm-hmm. I would say a good, a good only 20% like grasp it if they were into things like that and already doing their biometrics through other apps like Fitbit and all that stuff. They liked it because it could sync. But I think for the majority of clients, it was it was a tough sell. Like, hey, track log into another app on your phone that you have to log into mm-hmm. and you have to click on this and you have to do all these things. I mean, and and it did take some time for them to adopt it. Um, but I mean, the people that have now love it. It's the, I use it. I use it for my own training myself. I track all my lifts on it. I track all my, I, I do all my own programming on it. So I'm my own client through it because oh, nice. I need to know how to use it. Like how from the client side of things, mm-hmm. um, how, how it looks and feels for, for them. 
mm-hmm. myself and I love it myself because I actually, I'm actually on it every day, just seeing where my, where my nutrition is. is am I hitting my stats that I'm supposed to, am I hitting my macros that I'm supposed to? Oh, that's so cool. I find it sticky. I think, mm-hmm. I think clients will too. Yeah. So when you have that data, you, you do you use that data to motivate you? Or do you set metrics that you want to achieve weekly? And then do you, do you make adjustments? Like how would you, how would you utilize that data for yourself? For myself, I, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for a little bit now. So I just, I, I, I like just, I think the little prompts that it gives you, it, it tells you if you've hit things and it's funny how your brain works. It's just, they give you a little star mm-hmm. and just for me hitting that star, I'm like, yes, it's awesome. Yeah. And I like to track my foods the day prior to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm on pace where I like to do it. So I'll track all my foods and I'll take a look at it and see all the stars. And I just, and it keeps me more compliant to my goals. Mm-hmm. But just the way it looks, like, you know, I, I'm only tracking things like, you know, macros, I, I, you know, calories, obviously. My lifts, I look at the volume and it, it actually calculates that over time so I can mm-hmm. see when, what my best lifts were and everything. So, yeah, I, I think it keeps me motivated in that sense that I could track those stats. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very clear. You're getting the, the dopamine response over and over again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're just, um, the, the app is, um, it's a technological um, version of cocaine. Right? <laughs> at a much lower dosage yeah but sure. similar responses in the brain happen when you when you see those stars i guess yeah man it, it just gives you a pain and it's just like good job you hit your goal yeah yeah and you just, you don't go to the casino that night and you don't go see the drug dealer because you're good <laughs> you got it tell you and i think that like you know i'm hearing all these people with dealing with struggles with drug abuse and stuff happening when they're at home it's like what other outlet do we have you know yeah veg out in front of netflix yeah. I mean, I, I think at one point Netflix was even running out of shows. People were just like, <laughs> uh, I think it was the big one last year when COVID hit um, Tiger King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like, that was the one I remember watching that being and watch, like, I couldn't stop watching it. If you've seen it, you can't stop yeah, watching yeah. it. The train wreck that it was. And watching that, I was like, that was one of those, yeah, we got to, we got to do some stuff. We got to turn some things around here. <laughs> Like I, I myself was falling a little bit slack and I was like watching this guy and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta turn the TV off. I gotta get off the couch. I gotta do something myself. Well, yeah. well watching, well, watching other people's crappy lives is like, ah, oh, my life is not that bad then. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's true. That's true. I mean, I'm not, I'm not killing cats and eating them and stuff. And Carol yeah. Baskin don't, she don't want me dead. Murdering yeah. her husbands. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So the clients that you have, the ones that um, are not utilizing the app as much, um, to keep them motivated and stuff. What are some of the philosophies or things that you use at, at your facility specifically, or you, you coach your coaches to use? So, I mean, when, we're talking about when they come back in person. Um, yeah, actually, what are you guys using right now? Because I know a lot of people are struggling just to stay motivated. These are conversations I have weekly um, with clientele and just other people in fitness or out of fitness oh, sure. now. So what are some things that you are using or your, your staff is using to keep people motivated during these COVID times? Yeah, for sure. I, I you know, I, t- I talk to the team about this and I think people stick, uh, they stick to a business, they stick to fitness or they even stick to a business for like three things. And it's really one, do they like the business? Do they like what the business stands for? You know, and usually the business is the owner and what he stands for and his philosophies. The coaches is the another aspect. And, you know, are they, are, do they have a good relationship with the coaches? Are they providing awesome workouts? And, and lastly, it's other clients. Mm-hmm. So that trifecta, needs and there needs to be a good one third from each thing and we actually systematically try to make sure that like each 
third of those things are actually being presented to the client as value every single time. Engaging clients, having their own Facebook group and having everybody comment and talk to each other through that, through weekly challenges that we promote within the group so that they're actually socializing in some way, shape or form with other members. Mm -hmm. Two, the coach is putting out content. I encourage my team to put out content, just providing value and just talking about themselves. I mean, they see them mostly in the classes. So that usually takes care of that. And then third thing as the owner, I mean, and, and as the face of the business, you got to, I've been hitting it hard with my social media and my content, because I think that's something they have to grasp onto. They can't see me in person anymore. So they don't have an opportunity to interact or talk to me. So I got to go out there a little bit more socially and put out a lot more content. Mm-hmm. So I think those are those three things. If you can get them um, connected into those three clients will stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I believe that hundred percent. I mean, what's the one thing that, you know, COVID's taken away from the majority of people, socialization. You're not allowed to go to the place you normally hang out. You're not allowed to see people you normally see. So you're missing that aspect of in your life. And I know some gym owners who have been spending more time fighting the man than saying, okay, we have a problem. Let's find a solution. Our members need help. Our members need socialization. And you put that into your, uh, your, your business model there. So uh, I, I can attest, you know, being in this world myself, I see it happening a lot, the social aspect of it. Yeah. You know, I think we all have our opinions on this whole thing and, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but I guess, you know, we are, we are the superheroes for our clients. And if we go the route of it's their fault, they're the ones causing all this. It's almost like telling our clients that like, you know, it's not my fault. I'm out of shape. It's their fault. They've done it to me. They've created this situation where I can't thrive. And once you give up ownership, it's you, you lose the power. Mm-hmm. And, and us as the leaders in this space, we have to be able to take that power back and say, you know, you know what, let's, let's, let's focus on what we can control ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's do this. Let's go this route, put out more positive content, build more unity rather than being very polarizing. I think there's this, there's a thing about leaders being way more polarizing and putting out controversial things to get clout. And I think that's part of the problem too, is that a lot of people are going that direct direction to get attention. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it, I think that aspect is also in our DNA. I don't know why, but humans are attracted to negativity. Oh, for sure. They're just yeah. attracted to it. They just, they, they see it, you know, they'll see it a mile away. They'll see negativity and they tell their friends, Hey, something negative is down there. Let's go look at it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. when something positive is, is punching them in the face, like fitness, they'll dodge it. Yeah. So survival mechanism, right? Cause like we want to avoid danger. So when we see danger, we're like, Oh man, that's that. Yeah. I gotta be careful. Everybody pay attention to that. Well, this is the solution, but that's going to be the problem. Yeah. But there, you know, in rural Orleans outside of Ottawa, where I live, there's not much danger. There's some rabbits that eat my wife's gar- garden in the summer. That's about it. You know, my neighbor parks on the curb in front of my house. That's the most danger I have on a day-to-day basis. So <laughs> I think people just got a little, a little too comfortable over time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's why, you know, violence isn't the answer, but sometimes it is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so when you use your social media and you put out content and stuff, what have you found has been actually very... Um, grasping a lot of people um they, they they generate to using sharing liking commenting and then has there been any flops stuff you put out and you're like that didn't work 
you know what really people like to hold they like to hear your personal story like those are the some of the stuff that get get the best uh, get the the most attention is like how you got started like what are your failures where actually failures is one thing that they like Mm -hmm. to see talking about like people wanting to know about the bad news it's like that that stuff's like oh he screwed up there but you know what it just makes you human yeah i think those are been the some of the just being just being totally transparent in what worked and what didn't work Mm -hmm. yeah because i mean at the end of the day we're, we're still human too right yeah yeah. I mean, there's, there's been times, you know, you screw up stuff, you struggled with yourself. You know, I, I talked about when with like, I struggled with alcoholism before drug abuse, things like that. And it's just like, it happened and mm-hmm. I'm comfortable talking about it because I'm not that person anymore. It's completely, I feel like I'm talking about, about a person that was com- a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff really people hold on to because they realize, you know, you're just human. Mm-hmm. And to talk about the flops, like, I, you know, I put out stuff like quality, con- I, I feel like it's quality content, like good information about what good ratios of macros there are, you know, what's the best, uh, you know, intermittent fasting, all those types of things. And, and, and sometimes, and, and, and the stuff that's really science-based, I think people are like, huh, I'm going to glaze over it, but a detox tea or a <laughs> superfood. That stuff is like, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, people are right into that. I don't know why either. <laughs> I mean, I have a social media with a TikTok, right? So I put together a couple of these exercise how-tos. So how to do this leg exercise, you this is step one, step two, step three. And then you'd get your general, I'd get like the same whatever people liking and commenting, but nothing new. And, and you know, we might get, um, there might be like 3,000 people have seen this thing. That's it, 3,000 views. Which I think is, you know, 3,000 people saw how to do a leg extension and a leg curl, probably beneficial. And then one day I'm making hot dogs, right? It's summertime. I got the barbecue out and uh, making hot dogs for my boys. And I grab about 12 of them in my tongs and I toss them on the barbecue and I videotaped it. And I linked it to, um, what was it? Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. I don't know why. I just went to post the video. The song was one of the options there. It has over 130,000 views, 130,000 of hot dogs being thrown on the barbecue. Oh man, I'm going to try that one. <laughs> like it made no sense. The hot dogs have nothing to do with vanilla ice. Like I just, I don't even understand how social media works. There was a ton of engagement of people to me. And I, I, I sit back and I'm like, how do you even, how do you even work in this environment, work in this space? when that's what works and what you think works doesn't work. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's, I don't think anyone really does in like, but, but it's like the lottery. If you don't play, you can't win. That's right. So got to buy a ticket. You got, and and with social media, it's one of those games where you just got to keep putting stuff out there until you find something that bites. Yeah. And it's a long game. Like I, like, you know, content marketing is such a long game and something that I've never done imagine this through my 10 years of business, I didn't start to really get into it about until like the past six months Mm. because I was really good at stuff like paid marketing and referral marketing, internal, internal operations that we were, we were able to to do to drive traffic. But Mm. given the, given the economic climate, you know, you don't want to spend that much money on, on, on that. So now you have to go the organic route, which is something that I'm just starting to actually work through and start to do now, which Mm. is, which is a big learning curve in itself. So how are you doing that? You're reading books, you're taking some courses, you're YouTubing it. I, the, the, uh, the university of YouTube is a pretty good one. I think mm-hmm. 
Um, you can learn quite a bit though. Although there's, there's a lot of people out there that put out great content. And I think mm -hmm. just, just from listening to a lot of this stuff and I think it's like this with everything, it's the long game. Like it's, it's, I don't think it's any ma thing magical that you got to time and you got to, there's trends that you got to jump on, but like, it's, you know, I heard this term it's uh, it's time in the market beats timing the market. So it's like, the more you do mm -hmm. it, the more you're in there doing it, the better you get at it. Yeah. You, you can, you can see things that, that don't work once you've been exposed to them enough, you see it in advance and say, I'm not going that route. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and it's like fitness. You lift, you, you, you lift for long enough. You find out the little nuances Mm -hmm. to, to improve your form and techniques, same mm -hmm. with nutrition, same with, it almost applies to everything. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, with, uh, with, with COVID coming to an end, I think, I think, I think it's coming to an end. Oh buddy. Hopefully what plans you got, um, for your gym for the rest of, uh, 2021, what can people expect? What's going on? Oh man, we're doubling down on our, on our studio renovations. We were fortunate to, you know, govern the government, you know, here's the thing. I think people like or Harper hating on the government, they don't have to give you anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think, I, I think this thing about like, Hey, the government's not doing it enough for us. And they, they don't have to do anything for you. Zero. Right. Like when we, but, our taxes don't go to that, right. Our taxes, just, I don't pay taxes to go to helping me, you know, run a business. <laughs> they don't, they, they don't. And, and, and the fact that we're gifted with, you know, you know, money grants, all these subsidies that you wouldn't normally get, like, it's a blessing. And I think people are like, Oh, if, and be, I'm not, you know, you could, you could, some people may be taking the money and hoarding it, but we're reinvesting because I know when this thing blows over, well, I'm not saying it's going to blow over, but when this thing, when people start trickling back, we want to invest in this, this business for the next 10 years. Cause I know how many people are going to need it once this thing is over. Mm -hmm. right? Like the people the I, you probably talk to clients, they struggle, like the mental issues, you know, aside from the physical, the weight loss and all that's, you know, is a given. They're not, they're not focusing on it, but the mental side of things, the social side of things that they're lacking mm -hmm. is, is it, it set them back a few years and they're going to need an outlet. They're going to need that third home, which the gym was for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think they're going to come back and drove. So what we're doing, we're doubling down renovations on the studio upgrades, new floors. We're putting in, um, we're putting in better lighting, better systems, um, sound systems, anything to improve the experience, um, to reinvest to our community and reinvest into our clients. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great idea. It's a really good mindset as well. Cause you know, you, you know, they're going to come back and they're going to come back heavy and you're seeing it in places. I don't know if you're aware, but over in like New Zealand, which New Zealand has kind of, you know, conquered this pr pretty good. And they've reopened a lot of their gyms, their fitness centers, and, you know, they're having record months upon months upon months with yeah. memberships and stuff. So it does give hope to the, um, to the small business owners in the gym industry and the fitness industry. Um, hopefully that happens sooner than later though. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So uh, one last question I'll give to you, if someone is, is sitting outside now or they're, they're listening to this and they, they want to get into fitness and they're like, you know, I've tried it before it didn't work out so well, you know, Joe, you got, you got, you got like 20 seconds or 30 seconds. How would you convince someone to give fitness a try again? I mean, like, think about the pain for a second, the pain of not actually being able to, you know, fit into those clothes that you used to fit into, do the things that you used to versus this is the outlet that we can give you. This is the, this is the gateway to a better, um, better life. I think that's, that's the quick end of it. Like, I mean, I, I paint the picture of like, Hey, this is the pain that you're dealing with. This is going to be the, 
the pleasure you're going to get out of starting something and actually uh, moving your body like you used to just to tie it back where humans need to move mm-hmm. and arguably humans need to hit something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're looking to hit something, fight fitness is the place to go. Fight fitness, Awesome. <laughs> Shameless plug. Phenomenal way to end it, my friend. Um, so my biggest takeaway today is that everyone has violence inside them and you want to use it in a constructive manner that doesn't get you put in jail and fight fitness offers that. Yep. There you go. Hit awesome. something without going to the jail. Awesome. My new Th- tagline, Chris. Th- th- thanks so much, Joe. I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes here so people can get a hold of you. Um, and hopefully I get to see you sooner than later. I hope the gyms are open. I hope I get to come in, bring my kids. Maybe we can hit some bags together, get, get a little crazy, do something. Oh, we'd love to have you, Chris. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.